Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 28 of Welcome to Primetime. I'm Anthony. And I'm Holly. And this is America's only bi-yearly podcast. <laughs> because we never record episodes. Ever. <laughs> Just kidding. We're back. Um, I feel like we say that in every episode. Yeah, we do. We don't really have an excuse because of quarantine, but... Yeah. Also, it's weird because I feel like um, even though we have like more time air quotes more time uh we still don't have a lot of time to do i don't know yeah i don't know but anyway that's neither here nor there people are here to listen to us talk about movies because not about our lives (laughs) (laughs) they don't care about us no (laughs) um anyway um so as you may have guessed um it's been like a month since we've done one of these and even longer since we've done an episode with both of us on here uh, so we have uh, a whole bunch of movies to talk about. So um, without further ado, we're just going to jump right in. Um, so um, in no particular order, really, the the most recent movie that we watched that's on this list uh, is <laughs> Nightmare Beach. And, or uh, Welcome to Spring Break. Yeah, or Welcome to Spring Break, um, whichever you'd like to refer to it as. Um, so I rented this movie last night from uh, our local video store, uh, Videodrome, and uh, once you're in the Atlanta area, you should definitely check them out. But uh, anyway, I sent them an email to see if they had this movie in stock, and he was like, no, we don't have it. And then he emailed me back and was like, wait, we do. Actually, Nightmare Beach is under another name, and it's called Welcome to Spring Break. And uh, so There's anyway. some interesting reasoning behind that that you told me last night. Yeah, um, which, yeah, we'll get into that in a minute, but like... Uh, I mean, so I had high hopes for this one because it it seemed interesting. It was like a pretty interesting concept. Basically, there's a a biker who's known as Diablo and um, he gets uh, executed. And at the very beginning of the movie, it's not really a spoiler because like within the first three minutes of the movie, he's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. You have the wrong man. And they execute him. And then supposedly like his ghost or whatever comes back and starts killing people. Um, and he has this really interesting like uh, motorcycle that has basically like an electric chair on the back of it. And so if anybody gets on the back of it or touches the handlebars that you hold on to uh, while he's driving the motorcycle, then you just get electrocuted and die, basically. Mm-hmm. And so and it all takes place during spring break, of course. And so and it has John Saxon. In it. And I was like, yeah, it sounds pretty interesting. And um, man, there was some some horrendous acting in this one. It was it was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, what this we we experienced this for the very first time together last night. So what what are your thoughts? I'm curious to because we didn't really talk about it a whole lot. We just kind of commentated on it as we were watching it. Yeah, I loved making fun of the acting in this movie. <laughs> I thought it was fun to watch. Um, so like definitely if you are planning on, um, getting some friends together for a a corny movie night, this is a great opportunity to do that. You know, I I heard you say a couple times, like, I wish that we had more people to watch this with (laughs) so we could all make fun of it. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it'd be great, especially since like we're kind of in a, a, in a drive-in, uh, I guess renaissance would be the, the right word currently. Mm -hmm. Um, the drive-in is experiencing more and more people as, uh the longer we have to social distance and stuff. And I feel like this would be a great 
sort of drive-in movie it, like just get a whole bunch of people to go and and make mm-hmm. fun of this campy goofy movie and i mean you know it wasn't like I'm, I'm not trying to make it sound like it was the worst movie ever made or anything like that because there's i mean honestly it was pretty bad but there's far worse movies to watch oh yeah um and it was entertaining overall the acting was really really goofy and just kind of like at one point they find somebody dead and she he's like oh no my friend he's dead I, I couldn't have how did I leave your side and like literally that's like how they deliver it and it's just so funny um but yeah I mean if you're if you got some friends coming over or whatever and you're looking for a good laugh then uh I definitely recommend watching Nightmare Beach uh mm-hmm. or um Welcome to Spring Break if you it can it does uh, have some great um has some great like 80s romance in it too yeah um and some great score yeah, the the score is interesting. So the first time they show like the the biker killer, um, I was like, oh wow, this is very cool. And and it's a um, I might be butchering this pronunciation, but I think his name is is like Claudio um, Simonetti, Claudio Simonetti, and um, he he did the music for um, like for Deep Red and Suspiria oh. and movies like that because this is an Italian production actually. Which is kind of interesting because um, it was filmed it in was America. Filmed, yeah, and you know, usually what they were doing, like the they would get American actors and film things um, in Italy, but this time it was kind of reversed, and they had an Italian director who came to America to film, and um, so it was like all um, um, uh, Umberto Lindsay is uh, the director's name, and he also directed a movie called. Um, there or there was a similarity, I think, between this one and this movie. That was called Seven Bloodstained Orchids, um, which on IMDb, the same, the, the uh, description says, a woman, a survivor of a failed murder attempt by a person dubbed the Half Moon Killer by the police and her, hus- and her husband must find the connecting thread between herself, six other women, and the killer before the killer strikes her again. And so that's the um, same director. And apparently there was a lot of striking similarities between that movie and Nightmare Beach. So oh. just a little fun fact there but um i was also mentioning to you last night that i think it's kind of funny that kino lorber put this one out Mm -hmm. because usually they put out very like kind of um more classy movies i guess is what you would want to say i don't know classy (laughs) distinguished whatever like i have a lot of film noir box sets from them and like yeah and like um you know i kind of feel like it's almost on par with like criterion putting this one out it's like that doesn't really fit the rest of your catalog. But then again, Kino also put out a movie, uh, which you may or may not have heard of, called Rawhead Rex, which is like... I've heard you talk about it yeah. a lot. And that's another kind of weird one that Kino put Like, everybody was like, that's an April Fool's joke, right? But anyway, um, yeah, bottom line, if you're looking for a good laugh, then... Uh, and just something that's kind of goofy and silly, and you can shut your brain off and just like... Just be like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> then <laughs> Nightmare Beach is a good one to watch. Um so, yeah, anything else you'd like to add about Nightmare Beach? No. All right. Well, moving right along to uh, one called See No Evil. And uh, this is not to be confused with the movie See No Evil that stars the wrestler uh, Kane. Oh, no <laughs> this, way. <laughs> this is a different movie um, from 1971. And it stars Mia Farrow from Rosemary's Baby. And this is directed by a guy named Richard Fleischer. And... Um, it is uh, basically about this blind woman who is pursued by this crazy, uh, just maniac guy, 
uh, while she's staying with her family at this manor in the countryside. Yeah, for a long time, it's just basically a pair of cowboy boots. Yeah, they they just don't want to like show his uh, his face there for a while, and uh, which is you know kind of adds mm-hmm. to the suspense. And for a while, I was like kind of wondering, um, you know, not to get into like spoiler territory, but I was just kind of wondering if it was just going to be cowboy boots the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then at like the last second, it was just going to show this random person or, or what, like, and I was kind of wondering the whole time how it was going to, um, kind of play out. And it was, it was good. Um, and this is one, you mentioned earlier a movie that nightmare beach had two titles. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the reason behind that one, but I do know the reason you might've been talking about see no evil that this one has an interesting reason i'm pretty sure why it has oh, two titles well, nightmare beach I, was, I just assumed it was because one was the italian movie title and one was the american title yeah i think sometimes they choose different marketing strategies it's kind of like the harry potter thing with like you know oh yeah philosopher's stone and sorcerer's stone yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that's what that was my interesting story with you know nightmare beach i thought it was interesting at least but yeah this one is called um so see no evil was also known as blind terror Mm-hmm. Um, and that they were the, I guess the more interesting thing about this is not necessarily the title, but like that there were two different versions of the movie. And so there's blind terror, which remember we watched the, the alternate yeah, scenes we watched and stuff. How they were different. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So on the indicator Blu-ray, there's, it's like a shot for shot comparison of the two side by side. And it shows you the differences between blind terror and the, um, and see no evil and there's like not really there was one particular scene that had quite a bit of difference um but it was interesting that they released blind terror in like the uk mm-hmm. and then see no evil in the u.s and there was that one extra like suspense scene mm-hmm. in see no evil that was not in blind terror which i felt like added a lot to the movie but aside from that there wasn't any really major differences mm-hmm. but um yeah anyway um <laughs> basically um it's a it's pretty quick like it gets like it's only an hour and a half Mm -hmm. and um i thought it kind of got moving pretty quickly and then like once it once it gets started i didn't really feel like it let up yeah it gets it it uses its time wisely yeah Mm -hmm. i thought so too and um mia farrow was really good in it and um i thought she played her part really well um just you could kind of feel her sort of helplessness and hopelessness like i mean you know, we've we've seen I'm sure everybody's seen Hush on mm-hmm. Netflix and being deaf and having a maniac trying to get inside your house would be horrifying. I mean, just being a normal, regular <laughs> person, yeah, person, you know, who, who can see and hear um, would be terrifying enough to have somebody come in, let alone if you're being deaf. But also, like, I mean, being blind, like mm-hmm. you wouldn't I mean, they could be right behind you and you wouldn't know. And they use that sort of. Um, I guess gimmick, I mean, for lack of a better term, several times throughout the movie where it kind of lets the audience know, hey, there's this thing going on right next to you, right next to the main character. And that and she doesn't know. And that's kind of what adds to this Mm -hmm. to the suspense. And I kind of felt like for 1971, that was a pretty ahead of its time sort of concept. Yeah, I think, you know, the fact that they they put more emphasis on like her disability as a blind person you know they put more emphasis on the terror of being in that situation than the killer itself yeah i i agree because if if they yeah i mean if it was reversed of what you just said then it would be kind of another standard you know slasher slasher Mm -hmm. run-of-the-mill sort of home invasion type movie and 
you know, those are good, but also I feel like this just kind of added a, another flavor to it. It's and like it's special situational horror. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, it's, it's realistic. Like it could happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So it was interesting. It was good. And it was pretty fast paced and to the point. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for something suspenseful and kind of off the radar a little bit, that's not really one that you hear about a lot. Um, the indicator series puts out a lot of interesting, um, sort of off the beaten path kind of deep cut movies and um a lot of them since they're uk based company a lot of them are uk films so um stuff that we might not have super easy access to over here in the states which is kind of nice yeah so um yeah that one's called see no evil from 1971 um so next up is uh one that's obviously my pick uh Mm. and it is the reef and um i say obviously my pick because um yeah. It is a big shark movie. It's a, yep, it's a shark movie. <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to like it no matter how bad it is. Um, no matter how insufferable the characters are, no matter how stupid their decisions are, if it's got a big shark in it, I will probably like it. So, um, they usually are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so um, basically, I mean, you know, this one is just about a great white shark who hunts the crew of this boat uh, that has capsized on the great barrier reef and um i mean this is another one that's like straight to the point it's mm-hmm. quick um there's no excess you know no excess character development no excess like love story romance stuff i mean there's like a split second of it thrown in there but the rest of it is the boat capsizes they're in the ocean they see this island that they got to swim to and then they're just terrorized by this giant great white shark mm-hmm. and um I feel like that kind of thing, you know, even with like see no evil and this, something that they have in common is that it kind of feels like you're given bits and pieces of information um, as if, you know, you're just like a part of the world already. Yeah. You know, like they hint at certain things, but they never take more time to over explain. Yeah. You know, yeah, which is really yeah, kind of annoying when when I find it annoying in movies when they over explain something or uh jumping back real quick not to get off subject but jumping back to nightmare beach how they just kind of were like yeah you choked the um orange bowl the orange bowl man and like it it, it was this this football player like (laughs) that had apparently messed up some play in the orange bowl and like at some vague college and and like so it never really filled you in on like everything that was going on and so they just kind of like would vaguely refer to this incident that happened and he'd be like yeah, I was so upset that I messed up that throw at the at the Orange Bowl, and like literally it was exactly how they said yeah. it, and it was just frustrating. My favorite was whenever he's um, the mayor's talking to the doctor, and he randomly goes, he was like, um, "You do this for me. You overlook the fact that you might lose your license to be a doctor." He was like, "You overlook this for me, and I'll I'll overlook the fact that you give." Um, pills to your pretty beach boys yeah and i was like that's a whole chunk of story that you just like threw in there yeah because it's like what what, yeah what is he doing (laughs) just this vague reference that you don't even unpack but um but done correctly like yeah i feel like like, in the reef and you know yeah done correctly it's really good because it's they kind of give you they sort of hint at the fact that there is a, a, a character who uh, or two characters who are in a relationship with each other, but something happened to make it not quite work out. 
and you have you can gra- gather everything else from context. But there was no context. That's the point. And yeah. in Nightmare Beach, mm-hmm. to it was just like this random vague reference. And then that was it. And you're like, wait, what? And you're kind of left more scratching your head than like, oh, wow, that adds a whole new dimension or element mm-hmm. to the story, which is what happened in the reef that, like you said, when that done correctly. And mm-hmm. so they kind of give you this sort of backstory without spoon feeding that there's two characters who are in a relationship. We don't know what happened to them. We don't really need well, to know why. Exactly. Because the we, shark is going to come. <laughs> so. And so it kind of adds another dimension to the movie because like you now you're like, okay, they're going through this traumatic thing. Are they going to get back together? What is he doing to keep her safe? Uh, what's she doing to try to make sure that he is safe and survives? Mm-hmm. Like, are they going to sacrifice themselves to save the other one now that they're kind of in this weird relationship limbo where they've gone through this traumatic thing and it didn't quite work out before, but now it does because mm-hmm. we went through this life changing event, like what's going to happen. And, um, yeah, but you have to watch the movie to figure all that out. But basically, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's, I'm a, um, huge, huge fan of giant shark movies or anything that's like ocean based aquatic horror type stuff. Um, so I might be a little bit biased on this one, but I mean, I always go through, this sort of weird phase in the summertime where I just watch a bunch of giant shark movies and then go to the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, which there's several shark movies that are on this list that we've watched recently. And so, yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, that's all about all the story. I think that we can really say about yeah. getting into spoiler territory, but, um, you can watch this one on shutter and there should be a few other places that you can check it out and if, watch. I think yeah. Netflix might have it maybe. Yeah. If you're looking for a more serious shark movie, which sounds like when I think serious shark, I think like a shark in a business suit. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> professional shark, Sharknado franchise. That is my idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I like because I mean Jaws is is one of those ones that's like serious, but also is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And you know, and like the um, one that we're going to talk about a little bit later, I think. I don't know if Shark Knight is on our list or not. No, it's not, but it should be. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we can uh, just go off a little a little off course here. And 47 <laughs> Meters Down, Uncaged. Oh, yeah. Those um, are some horrible just shark, all movies. The shark movies. Just together. Yeah, just one, one movie that's <laughs> one continuous movie. But we watched one the other night called Shark Knight 3D. <laughs> and um, side note, we did not watch it in 3D. No. Um, but which probably ruined the experience. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the experience was already ruined um, just because we watched it. It wasn't even in the ocean. Yeah, it was like in this. In and this, this is another great example of just giving some vague clues. Um, they're like, yeah, there's basically it, they're in the Louisiana Gulf. And um, there, there's this lake house and these friends are going to, you know, there's this sort of vague reference to like, man, I've been doing all these tests and mm-hmm. at college and I just need to get away for a little bit. And, and so all sports. these, yeah, and, and, yeah, sports things. And then that's it. And then basically they, all these friends load into this car. They go to this person's lake house. There's some vague references to this girl who is interested in this guy that's there and blah, blah, blah. And then, um, Basically, there's this giant shark that happens to be in this sort of lake house area. This, mm-hmm. oh, not in the house, but outside <laughs> in the lake. He's uh, in the house drinking their wine coolers. <laughs> and um, these just sort of like crazy redneck dudes are just like, yeah, we dumped all these sharks in the Gulf. Yep. And then you're like, it okay. doesn't really explain like 
how they did it. I mean, it kind of explains why they did because they're just crazy, but yeah. And which like didn't really work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, no, cause it's a lot of effort to go through just because you're it's like, crazy. What, like, like 200 sharks or something. Yeah. And there's like all these different species of sharks that just dumped into the water. But I um, did like the inclusion of the different species. Like, I feel like I learned something like how, like, how do these hillbillies know more about sharks than I do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just kind of, it was, it was weird. Like, and yeah. the, and I mean. They knew like the, the proper, like. Like the Latin, scientific names. Yeah, yeah. The Latin scientific names for them. My right? favorite part though, is that the CGI is so bad mm. in like most parts. And in one part specifically when somebody's driving a jet ski and you can see the, like the halo of light around him yes. because of like, they just didn't know how to use the, the equipment the CGI is so I bad a really good way to describe it it's like if Disney Channel like a Disney Channel original movie was made into a shark horror that's a great movie. way to yeah, describe it that's, yeah that's what it's like and so then it, Disney Channel original movies made a shark horror movie yeah that, this is that's what it would look like I feel like yeah I agree what was what was that one that um uh, about the the surfer girl who got her leg bitten off. Um, it was her arm, or maybe yeah, maybe her arm. Soul, yeah, soul, soul surfer. surfer. Yeah, it was like that, but like with more horror thrown yeah. in. It was like that par of movie. With like all the teen. Yeah, just like the teen. Yeah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But and over sexualization, like zombievers or something, and piranha three D. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, it never went too far. I don't think because no. it was PG thirteen, but yeah. yeah. It was just, yeah, it was, it was a weird, interesting, (laughs) just if you're looking for a really bad shark movie with really bad CGI, then Shark Night 3D is, uh, it's going to be something that you definitely want to check out. Um, but anyway, we've gone very far off topic because the next movie that we're going to talk about is Dario Argento's opera. Mm. (laughs) Um, so not a shark movie, uh, but (laughs) So I think this was like your first sort of introduction or dabble into um, like a sort of giallo movie, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious. I didn't watch Deep Red with you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna let you kind of take the lead on this one and yeah, tell me what you think. So um, I feel like you're also letting me lead this because of opera, but <laughs> no, I didn't Maybe. think about that. Do you play music? No, <laughs> I've never seen a guitar before. <laughs> um, Basically, this movie is about a young um, budding opera um, star who is um, kind of by almost final destination chances becomes the lead role of Macbeth, which is like a cursed film (laughs) and, and theater production. Yeah, which yeah. was interesting to me, like, because I didn't really know about the curse of Macbeth. Um, and then, like, they kind of referenced that a little bit in the movie, which is, like, enough to mm-hmm. make you want to research it. But, like, you were right beside me, so you just kind of filled me in. So it was kind of cool. Yeah, it's a real thing. Yeah. People which, think it's cursed because there's, like, a couple of, like, deaths that happen on stage um, during William Shakespeare's time. Um, so that's why people think it's cursed. <laughs> yeah, that's that's wild to, yeah. me, to me that, like, that... Mm-hmm. That actually happened. Yeah. Just watching a play and then you're like, oh my God, that died. That guy yeah. died. Like, <laughs> what? Um, so the the star becomes kind of a fascination with this man who is killing random people um, and making her watch. Yeah. 
And um, yeah, there, there's some pretty like, um, like in a good way, <laughs> like cringe inducing parts because mm-hmm. um, it's just you're, you're, it's it's one of those things like you can't really look away from, but mm-hmm. it's like so intense that you're like, oh, I should probably look away. Like there's one scene in particular where it's it's pretty famous with this movie, but he the the killer tapes some nails under her eye mm-hmm. so that she's like forced to watch everything yeah and like she can't blink and you're just like and it's like extreme close-ups with eyes and stuff and you're just like uh no like um but yeah it, it's just it's really really um intense and very fast paced and the music was really cool mm-hmm. it kind of alternates between like opera and like this weird heavy metal <laughs> sort yeah, of it does. Um, which was interesting to me but um yeah, I mean, basically, like the the like you were saying, this opera singer, her name is Betty, and she um, just has this crazy, like for her, it's stroke of luck, mm-hmm. and for the other person, it's like, oh no, that's horrible because she gets run over by a car, yeah, and, like she's that's okay, what I was like, like Final Destination esque, yeah. <laughs> like she gets hit by a bus running from some crows. Yeah, and the crows <laughs> are kind of like a cool theme that comes back, yeah, um, a lot, and. Um, so, I mean, basically this, this psychopath is like stalking her and, you know, she, she's been, and I, I thought it was interesting that like, she keeps having dreams about this masked person mm-hmm. who, of like ever since her childhood. And that sort of thing is slowly revealed throughout the runtime of the movie that like, maybe she knows him, maybe like she's seen him in passing, maybe it's mm-hmm. somebody important to her. Is she just going crazy? She, yeah, she like, cra- yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, to watch, to find out, you have to watch the movie, but it was like really, really good. I like how it was kind of, um, we talk a lot of tonight about how um, you can spoon feed an audience a little bit mm-hmm. and then how you can just kind of give them enough to piece it together. You dangle and, the carrot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah, and I feel like that's kind of what Argento does in this movie is mm-hmm. kind of he gives you just enough to where you kind of start to piece it together and then you might think you know which way it's going, but then it goes another mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's really good. It's it's I mean, it's a really good, really suspenseful movie, very effective. Um it is very gory though. Yes. So um if you're if you're not into gore or you can't handle it or you're squeamish then uh, I might look another way uh, and and not check this one out because it is pretty gory. Um, I also just really loved um, the director in the movie, his like concept of Macbeth. Cause you were like, you know, if, if this is Macbeth, why are they, if they're doing Macbeth, then why do they have guns? You know? Yeah. Cause that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They did have, they did have like handguns and I was interested, you know, pistols and stuff. And I was like, why do they have, you know, if it's set in yeah. like the, I don't know, when's Macbeth set in like the 15, 1600s, something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, they definitely wouldn't have like automatic handguns yeah. <laughs> or semi-automatic yeah. handguns. Yeah. So. It's just his like imp- interpretation of a more modern day Macbeth. And I loved the crows so much. Um, and I just loved her costumes as Lady Macbeth, all yeah. the different costumes and the different makeup and the costumes like were super cool. It was interesting because yeah. it's like, okay, is this the costume designer for the movie? Is this their vision for mm-hmm. her character? Or is it like what they think that a costume designer in the play would have her wear? Like, mm-hmm. is it, or is it kind of both? Like, yeah. this is what we think that the costume designer in the play would like, would like for her to wear, like her character in mm-hmm. the movie is what what she would wear. But also it's cool for our movie purpose too it was like very meta in the sense that you have to plan out this whole concept of Macbeth to direct a movie yeah 
to direct a movie that's centered on this play. On this play. (laughs) And so you had to come up, like, what are the costumes going to look like in this opera that they're putting on, you know? Mm -hmm. And you don't even, you know, really see the fruition of that as much. You see a couple of, like, you know, arias, but... Yeah, it was was a Mm -hmm. really um, cool concept, and I feel like Argento has this sort of flair and style that... Mm -hmm. um, has you know it's his like when you when you watch a movie that he's done it's like that's Argento Mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of a cool trait to have and um yeah I really 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 like this one a lot and um I ordered like the giant um scorpion releasing set or whatever yeah with the book uh, yeah Mm -hmm. the book and yeah it was it was interesting it was a good movie But yeah, so that was opera. Um, again, you should check it out if you can. Um, if you're an opera lover, if you're a horror lover, <laughs> if you love Phantom of the Opera, <laughs> <laughs> if you love Dario Argento, um, yeah, I mean, if you're just a lover of good movies in general, yeah. I think that you'll enjoy it. Um, Unless you're squeamish. Yep, exactly. Then go home. Then yeah, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Anyway, we're going to move right along. We're about halfway through this list. Um, and again, we have like so many more movies that we've watched just because of quarantine and mm-hmm. stuff. And since we haven't done an episode, we're just kind of skimming the surface a little bit with all these because this episode would be like four hours long, if not. Our best hits in the past <laughs> month. But um, so next up is Jaws, um, which Jaws is a movie about a giant shark. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody knows what Jaws is. Um, but we watched uh, we watched it the other night. A couple. Well, it's actually, I guess it's been a couple of weeks now. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's Jaws. It's fantastic. It's such a good movie. And um, we watched it on the Fourth of July. Yeah, and and it was just a like at the new 4K restoration, which I guess is more or so more or less what I'm going to talk about rather than Jaws. Because I mean, chances are, if you're listening to a podcast about movies and you've seen Jaws, um, <laughs> but. Um, the, just to watch like the, the restoration work that they did on this was awesome. Um, like all the work that went into the, not only the restoration of the picture, but of the sound and everything. And just how they would spend three or four hours working on one frame, one scene of the movie. Mm -hmm. They spent three to four hours working on just that one part to fix it, to fix the lighting and make sure that everything was consistent and just like it looks so good and i mean they even had steven spielberg on and he was like yeah it looks better than when we released it originally mm-hmm. like it's, it's crazy and he talked about some sounds yeah you wouldn't have heard even in the theatrical release yeah the original theatrical which is release. crazy like yeah. that we have the technology now to just kind of yep this movie like looks better than when it was released theatrically and mm-hmm. um you can watch it from the comfort of your own home, which is pretty cool. But I mean, you know, just I mean, in case somebody hasn't seen Jaws, basically Amity Island and um, in New York. And there's this giant shark that is terrorizing this beach community. And it's the Fourth of July weekend. And the mayor of the town is like, we are not shutting down. Uh, it's Fourth of July weekend. We're going to lose so much money and basically puts um, people's lives under making money for the yeah. town and stuff like that instead of shutting down and saying or, or putting at least putting signs up and saying be cautious like there's sharks there's sharks. a watch for sharks like they don't want to cause a panic blah 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 but the real reason they don't want to cause a panic is because they don't want to lose out on any money mm-hmm. and um which is a shocking um similarity to sort of what's happening in our country now but anyway not to <laughs> cough cough <laughs> <laughs> not to get political or anything but um 
you Which know, Jaws was a political movie for the time. Yeah, I mean, so. it, yeah, it's it's the sort of like profit over people kind mm-hmm. of thing, and um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 great. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. Yeah. Um, Roy, Roy Schneider and Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfuss and directed by Steven Spielberg and yeah, I I actually I'd like to read the book too, um, mm-hmm. and and just see what the book is all about. I've never read it. Um, I, th- I think it'd be pretty interesting. I bet it kind of gives a lot more information about the sharks and things like, or about That's the shark and so. um, all of that and a lot more backstory. And if you need a quarantine activity, there's also a Jaws board game, which that, we purchased yes, around we did. Christmas time. Yeah. And it was great. We got to play it. Um, it's, it's fun to play with like just two or three people, but mm-hmm. obviously if you have like more people, um, more roles can be assigned mm-hmm. and, um, for the game and it makes it even more fun. So yeah, it's pretty cool. You can get it at target. Um, it's a lot of fun and the artwork's nice. Yeah, it is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I kind of want to go down the rabbit hole of watching like jaws two and jaws 3d and the I revenge. I actually, jaws the revenge. Yeah. It's, it's number four, uh, <laughs> in the series. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. When did sharks have sentience to, uh, <laughs> I meant, you know, like the prefrontal cortex forethought for revenge. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it's like his distant cousin. I don't know. But yeah, there's four Jaws movies. And, Pause. Uh, so yeah, they, they significantly decline in quality because uh, according to IMDb, Jaws, the the first one, has an 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jaws, the revenge, has a 3. So, <laughs> so um, yeah. Every time you say the revenge, I just giggle. <laughs> it's just like him with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so anything else? About Jaws that you'd like to say? No. Speak now or forever hold your peace. I mean, that was probably the first time I had watched Jaws all the way through. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I really enjoyed it. I had definitely seen seen bits and pieces of it, but I think, you know, I was just too young at the point that it was presented to me to watch all of it. Yeah. A likely story. I mean, I didn't get to ask her any of these questions before we got married, so uh, I didn't know she hadn't seen Jaws all the way through. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just kidding Ouch. kidding i better stop mm-hmm. um so um this this next movie on our list here um is i mean all these movies are so different from each other except for the giant shark movies but um this <laughs> this one is awesome um i loved it so much i loved everything about this movie it's called rad um which you may or may not have heard of, but uh, if you haven't heard about it, Vinegar Syndrome just put it out in 4K, which is one of the is the very definition of something that you didn't know that you needed, but until you until it. you need it, mm-hmm. until you see it, and you're like, I need it, uh, and so it's this was an instant pre order for me, um, like as as soon as their sale happened, I was like, I got to get rad, and so. I got it, and um, somehow this movie has a seven out of ten on IMDb, which I feel like is very generous. Um, I mean, I like it was a great movie, but also seven out of ten. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know, I don't, I don't think so. But um, it is, uh, it it's got uh, Lori Laughlin in it, um, which I thought was kind of interesting, and basically is about um, this guy named Crew Jones who he's got like this sort of drive and passion and to be like the you know great at bmx and mm-hmm. this bmx race comes into town called the hell track and there's all these sort of like qualifying races that um you have to do as a local rider and and he's really good and there's a of course a greedy businessman who owns like mongoose bikes and stuff and he 
um, sees how good crew is. And he, you know, of course doesn't want him to race against anybody else in on his team because he's got all this money bet on his riders that they're going to win. And he doesn't want, he thinks that crew can beat his mm-hmm. riders. And if they lose, then he, he misses out on this sponsorship and this deal and stuff that, um, he has. And so he, he keeps coming up with all these crazy scenarios and saying, okay, well you, you competed in that qualifying round, but you have to have a sponsor and then, but you have to to have, yeah, it has to have a $50,000 and yeah. And all these different sort of hoops for him to have to jump through in order to compete in this race. And so it's basically the story of him kind of overcoming these obstacles and it's set to this amazing 80s soundtrack. Oh my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> and um, just these like cool, like there's like scenes of, of professional, like actual professional BMX riders um, doing Matrix. all these tricks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it was just, it's, it's the most campy 80s B movie that you can probably think of. But now you can watch it in crystal clear 4K thanks to Vinegar Syndrome, which Bless is... Bless you. <laughs> Vinegar Syndrome. So. You were saying that you didn't know how it had like a 7 on IMDb, right? Mm-hmm. Just just for a reference, I think that this just might be the type of movie that it is because Motocross, which is similar but dirt yeah. bikes, <laughs> has a 6.6 wow. on IMDb. I mean, I, I didn't mean that in a way of like, it's, it, a it's not movie. a good yeah. movie or it's a bad movie, but also like just the quality of the movie, like yeah. the acting. I mean, the acting is not bad, but, but like it's, it's like one. another Disney Channel original movie type thing, except done better in a way that makes you feel good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's the, the thing mm-hmm. is like when it's probably one of those movies that people look back on and they're like, oh my gosh, I love that movie. Like, I look back at motocross and I'm like, yeah, that movie's awesome. If you rewatch it today, it probably doesn't hold up quite no. as well as you remember it. But Neither you look does back high on school it. musical. I can't speak <laughs> into that, but <laughs> um, it still makes you feel. But yeah, it's it's one of those ones. It's like, yeah, I grew up watching this. I love it. It's mm-hmm. so good. It's you need to watch it. Whatever, leave me alone. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, I, I I loved it. I thought it was so good. And um, yeah, it's a it's a feel good movie, and yeah, a I town was rallying for. I kept thinking of Footloose the whole time. Footloose, yes, yes. A town like rallying to do to accomplish something. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, uh, and just one more thing about the about the score. So the IMDb, like the just the the user, like just normal people's review, seven out of ten. Metacritic critic score, 24 out of 100. Um, and so I feel like that that's kind of what I meant is like I didn't really feel, feel like it was going to be this like critically acclaimed movie. Right. It's like kind of which, you know, I mean, a lot of the movies that I like aren't critically acclaimed. Some are, but yeah. some aren't like also, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, stuff like that. The first one's critically acclaimed. Then you go to the next one and it's like, yeah. but still great movies. Anyway, <laughs> that's rad. From 1986, which um, if you didn't order the the 4K from Vinegar Syndrome already, then you're just kind of out of luck because it's it is gone, wow. gone, gone, gone. Um, but you should be able to find this movie to watch elsewhere. Um, next up, again, a very different movie from what we were just talking about is the Oxbow Incident, and um, this is from 1942 and is directed by William Wellman. And it stars Henry Fonda. And um, basically this one is about a, um, a posse that captures these three men who are suspected of killing a local farmer. And then they become like really, really divided over whether they actually committed the crime or not. And 
just off the top, some thoughts. Um, this was so ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it reminded me of 12 Angry Men, which is like a similar premise to where these guys become divided over something. Um, in the in 12 Angry Men, it's like a, it's a court case mm-hmm. and they become divided over the over if the person did it or not. And then them talking, then talking about it and one person trying to sway the other's opinion and stuff like that. So in that way, it reminded me of 12 angry men a little bit. Um, but it's just like, I was so good. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and throughout the movie, there's like the, the posse that captures these guys. They're like so convinced that they did it, that they, they killed the, the farmer and then one of them's like, well, what if he didn't do it? You know, what if they didn't do it? And he kind of believes them. And then he tries to sway the others into like saying, because they're right away. They're like, let's kill him. Like, let's lynch him. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the, so good. Like the de- definition of justice, you know? Yeah, because like it, they're so convinced like mm-hmm. that, the, like they all they're focused on is getting like a, you know, air quote justice. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're going to kill you for killing him. And they're like, but we didn't do it. And you're so mm-hmm. blind by rage right now that you think that justice is killing us and you'd be killing innocent men. And, um, so then one of the group becomes convinced that maybe they didn't do it. And mm-hmm. he's like, we need to bring them back to court and let them let the court decide and at least do things the right way. And it becomes extremely divided and, yeah, it's just, it's really, really good. And, um, it's, it's, um, pretty short movie. Yeah. Uh, like hour, 15 minutes. But a lot happened. Uh, yeah. It felt a lot. like it was a lot longer. Yeah. It uses its time wisely. And, um, <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, this is a really great one. And it, it was one that had been on my list for a long time and I never got around to it. And, um, yeah, super, super solid movie. So if you have a chance, definitely recommend checking that one out. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is actually the next one on our list is actually pretty similar, um, at least in time frame, and it is called um, minorly in tone. Yeah, minorly, yeah, minorly in tone. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Justice, actually, what justice is? Um, this one is Bad Day at Black Rock from 1955, mm-hmm. and um, it's directed by John Sturgis. And um, in this one, there's a, a this one armed man, and he comes to this sort of like really really small town in California. And he says that he's from L.A. and he's um, he, he is basically wants to, if I remember correctly, he wants to meet the, who does he want to he meet? He wants to meet like a sharecropper. That's right. Mm-hmm. And um, in the, it, for reasons that he doesn't really disclose at first. Mm-hmm. And the town immediately becomes suspicious of him and thinks that he's there, you know, for no good reasons and all this kind of stuff. And then it slowly kind of comes out that, the townspeople actually have this pretty terrible secret, mm-hmm. um, which is getting into spoiler territory. So, um, but basically this town has this terrible, terrible secret that they're trying to hide. And they think that the, the man who's coming into town is a cop and there's a lot of sort of mystery and things that they're trying to cover up and hide. And so they immediately become suspicious of the stranger and try to try to kind of harm him. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he's there, just he's visiting their town, but for his own business, his own reasons and things like that. And so it kind of becomes this sort of um, like, who's why is the man and why is he why is he really here in town? What are these townspeople trying to hide? What are mm-hmm. they covering up? That sort of thing. And it kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat for pretty yeah. much the whole time. There's mystery on both ends. Yeah, exactly, which I thought was really good. And this is another really, really short one, hour and 20 minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. 
And um, yeah, really, really good movie. Um, I really like the setting. You know, they just have the the Southern California foothills and mountains mm-hmm. and just all this super pretty and yeah, really, yeah. really good movie. I found this movie because of an episode of Supernatural that has the same name, but really? it does not have any, I don't think it has any references. I'd like to watch it, yeah. that episode, to see. Um, I think you've watched it with me. It's the one with like the rabbit foot. They lose the rabbit foot and they have bad luck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, mm-hmm. It's been a while since we watched that one, so I don't, I don't remember. But yeah, yeah, that was, that's interesting though. I do, I do appreciate. Um, I don't know, there's just so many episodes of Supernatural <laughs> to, to get caught up on, and for me, because I never watched it really when it aired. So um, yeah. I do appreciate though. What I was gonna say is I appreciate the fact that they, um, the writers seem to be very interested in movies and things like that because there's all these references and stuff and mm-hmm. i think some of them maybe like flew by you and then i when yeah, we were watching you were the them one i was like, it, oh. like oh really <laughs> i didn't know that's why i kind of want to keep watching it with you because you know they use aliases for their fbi or you know um, mountain rangers or wildlife yeah. or whoever they are for that episode they use fake names mm-hmm. but also they make little references and like camera angles and stuff like that that are you know yeah, all sorts of little nods to like mm-hmm. classic movies and directors and actors and things like that. So yeah. it's kind of cool. Who who directed Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, so I think there's like a Tarantino inspired episode as well. Oh, that's interesting. It's, it was structured a lot like Once Upon a Time. Gotcha. In Hollywood, that's which, cool. which I would see how they, you know, why they would do that because they're very pop culture based and movie based in general. Yeah. So. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, supernatural tangent. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the supernatural podcast. <laughs> um, so, last three. We're in the last three of, of this episode here, um, and this one is um, probably the bleakest movie that yeah. is on this list and possibly the bleakest movie that I've watched since Hereditary. Yeah. I was about to say that probably <laughs> the bleakest movie in like two years. Um, and it is called The Lodge. And so I don't know if I'm going to even try to say the director's names uh, because I'm pretty sure that they're Swedish. It's mm-hmm. like Severin Fiala and Veronica Fran- Franz. Franz. I'm probably butchering Franz. that. But um, they, you may know them uh, because they directed um, the movie Goodnight Mommy. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just looking at the IMDb rating. I'm surprised it has a 6 out of 10, which I, I felt like would be, it felt like it'd be higher. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically in this uh, this movie, um, this, this uh, woman who's about to become a stepmom gets snowed in with her fiance's kids. Uh, which is bound to be a good time, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't know you, and you're not my mom, and why are you here? And, and like, the kids make it very obvious that they hate her. Yeah, and so <laughs> she's just like, well, this is going to be great. And then her, her fiancé is like, okay, well, I have to go and do this thing. I'll be back in a few days. And her kids obviously, or his kids obviously hate her, mm-hmm. which, I mean... If you watch the movie, you'll kind of sort of like, I mean, I don't think that she deserved to be hated, but also mm-hmm. like I get it. You yeah. know, it's one of those things like it could go either way. And um, so basically she gets snowed in with them. And as soon as they kind of start to come around um, and start liking her, this like craziness starts happening. And at the very beginning of the movie, it kind of um, shows you that her 
her dad was involved in this sort of like cult witchcraft weird sort of it's like the heaven's gate cult yeah and and so she was obviously like exposed to that kind of part of that for a little bit and it's sort of followed her you can tell and it's like part of her past and stuff and there she's on this medication that um it's like a I don't know what kind of it was basically like an anti anxiety sort mm-hmm. of medication and stuff for her to not have panic attacks and things like that. And um, she wakes up and her medicine's gone and all of her stuff is messed with and just these like really, really like for it starts off kind of like, oh, we moved your sweater, you know, somewhere and you don't know who it is. You don't mm-hmm. know if it's like an intruder or if she's crazy or if it's the kids mm-hmm. or Maybe the dog just got a hold of the sweater and moved it somewhere. You know, you don't know. And at first it's like, oh, it's just a sweater. It's not a big deal. But then it's like her medication. And if I remember correctly, she had like an inhaler or something like that. It's like everything. And it, and it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like slowly just like they just, these, this outside force or whatever it is, want to try to stay away from spoilers, but this, whatever this thing is that is doing this to her just like kind of starts off slowly and then it kind of ramps up intensity and um it had a very it's very like unsettling and sort of like chilling and um i just like and it it ends so bleak yeah and um i kind of felt like after we watched it like i i really enjoyed it but again it's kind of like hereditary where it's not something you're just like i'm in a great mood let's watch hereditary you know Mm -hmm. and (laughs) like it's not something that you can just easily throw on. I feel and, like um, it's just like a Halloween watch. Yeah. Like, like when you wh- want to be spooked yeah. and feel like ick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's it's just mm-hmm. very, like it starts off bleak, like mm-hmm. immediately. And then it ends that way, too. It doesn't really get any less bleak throughout the movie. Yeah. And um, But, yeah, it was really, really good. Very suspenseful. Well acted. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I liked it. So if you're if you're searching for something that is kind of spooky and very bleak and dark um this is a good one to watch and you can actually watch it on hulu right now um so if you have hulu go check it out Mm -hmm. and yeah so two left um so this next one um is called the great escape and uh it's actually one that i picked up today um as part of the criterion sale and but I, i rented it previously and um it it is just like so first off the cast is stellar it's steve mcqueen james garner richard attenborough charles bronson donald pleasance um just yeah awesome and it's directed by john sturgis which is another um he directed bad day at black rock just to fyi so um yeah so you know it's gonna with his track record it's gonna be really good and um this movie is super long uh two hours and 52 minutes to be Mm -hmm. precise we watched it in three installments we did yeah because we started it super late like we do everything yeah (laughs) and um you know it's 10 30 right now and we're just kind of hanging out recording a podcast and we're gonna watch a movie after this probably yep so we'll talk about it in a month. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so this one is is basically, like I said, a really long movie. Um, and it's about allied prisoners of war. And they plan like several several hundred of their of their members uh, to escape from this German camp during World War Two. 
And what I thought was really interesting about it is generally the camp that they're at is like the Germans that are there are kind of like, yeah, we're just waiting for the war to end. Mm -hmm. Like they're not really like harming the, the, the soldiers that are there. They're just, they're like feeding them and they're making them do work and stuff like that. But they're not like beating them or whipping them or making them do like exhaustive amounts of work or anything. Half friends with them, like giving them stuff to garden with and Mm -hmm. like chess and tea and. Yeah. But then it's like at the same time, they're still being held there against their will. Mm -hmm. And so they, they want to break out. um, And so they start to dig these trenches underneath the camp to get out. And there's a whole bunch more stuff that happens. Um, in the three hour runtime and parts of it are really funny and parts of it are really sad and parts of it are like action packed and mm-hmm. um, suspenseful. Yeah. And it's really good. And the craziest thing is that this is based on a true story. Um, and I don't know, I've never read like the true story. Um, so I don't know how accurate it is. I don't know like how much of it was, you know, kind of messed around with in, mm-hmm. in movie, you know, and, and yeah, kind of, yeah, exactly. Movieized and, Things like that, but uh, yeah, this the the movie was so good. I really loved it, and so it's part of the Criterion sale, and so I, I got it today. But like I said, we watched it when I rented it, so um, yeah, really, really good. So if you got three hours to kill, pop this one on and have a good time. Mm-hmm. What did uh, what um, what were your thoughts on it? Because I mean, I I really enjoyed it. Um, more than I thought I would, because whenever you were like a war movie, I was like, oh, because it's not <laughs> usually like my pot of tea, um, cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> it's late. It's late. <laughs> Maybe I need a pot of tea. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. And um, an interesting thing about the movie is if you watched kind of like the beginning and then you watched that interesting action packed part towards the end like i wouldn't have thought it was the same movie at all right it's very like it does it does shift it travels a lot yeah mm-hmm. and, it, and it starts off where it's just centered in the the camp that they're in and then it's like all this beautiful like switzerland mm-hmm. like sort austrian. of yeah austrian yeah. settings and things like that and um yeah i mean it's just so well acted and well written and yeah it changes tonally i feel like you could chop it up into almost three different movies mm-hmm. um or like a mini series or something like that would be kind of kind of interesting yeah which um it's inspirational and it's a little heartbreaking and you know like, yeah it's just and then when you watch it and you're like oh yeah that was also based on a true story you're mm-hmm. like wow so yeah you really grow to love the character as much like you do like in the sandlot or yeah you know exactly yeah you're kind of like all right you can do it guys like and it's one of those things too it's like you know when when you watch the movie you're like okay should they have just waited um like Mm because they weren't being treated horribly and and to add like some suspense to the movie um there's there's a character Donald Pleasant's character is pretty much like legally blind and mm-hmm. he can't see like five feet in front of him. Yeah. And so when he's in the trenches like going and in the holes that they've dug the tunnels and stuff, he can't see that person's hand like right in front of him. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, OK, he's a huge risk to take with us. Like, what are mm-hmm. we going to do? And, you know, the the of course, the right moral thing to do is to take him with you. But on the flip side of that is the moral thing to like to do to leave him behind because where he might be safe. a risk where mm-hmm. he's safe and where he might not be a risk to the other hundreds and hundreds of men that you're attempting to break out of here. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's there's lots of different questions like that and things that come up throughout the movie. And um, 
yeah, really, really good. That one is called The Great Escape from 1963. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're looking to expand your Criterion collection collection, <laughs> <laughs> um, then you can check that one out. And last but not least on our list, if you're uh, while we're on the subject of Criterion, is uh, a movie from 1955 starring Robert Mitchum that is called The Night of the Hunter. Mm. And this is directed by Charles Lawton and man this movie like blew me away it's i uh, so far, talk about a movie that's so far ahead of its time right like it, it's like i said it's from 1955 and this movie just genuinely like got under my skin and creeped me out yes um, mm-hmm. R- robert mitchum plays this um just religious sort of like he's not really religious he's posing as this sort of like it's priest like creepy prosperity gospel yeah yeah he's like a sort of like a, almost like a traveling salesman but he's like a like a pastor mm-hmm. uh again air quotes yeah. you know and and basically it starts off with this um this like guy running from the police and he hands his daughter a bunch of money it's like ten thousand dollars but you know it's 1955 so it's mm-hmm. probably like you know a quarter of a million dollars or something mm-hmm. now and Anyway, regardless, a lot of money hands this kid, hands his kid all this money and he goes to jail and he tells before he goes to jail, before he's arrested, he tells his his daughter to hide that money in a safe place and And not to tell and not to tell anybody at all. And he's like, make a promise to me that you won't tell anybody, not even your mom about this. And so, you know, fast forward a little while and Robert Mitchum's character, who's named Harry Powell, comes to town and he's this sort of which he was he was their dad's cellmate in Mm -hmm. jail and he hears him sleep talking about the money yeah and so he goes and kind of poses as being interested in his uh in his wife who is of course now uh widowed after he passes away her husband passes away and so he robert mitchum's character harry goes to her and um basically um kind of tricks her into falling in love just to get the money mm-hmm. um but it's just like so much more than that like yeah, it, it, it's mainly it, focused around the two kids and their journey kind of running from this man yeah um and he's just so creepy he, he does like, that bringing in the sheaves he's yeah. bringing in the sheaves which is really creepy he'll whistle it and that's how you know that yeah, it's He's like it's coming. like his theme. It's like the Michael yeah. Myers, you know, the Halloween mm-hmm. dun 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 dun. But it's yeah. like and it's it's this very like chilling, atmospheric black and white cinematography. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of parts that were kind of like and it's not bloody, but they were violent and like especially violent for 1955. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was just like mm-hmm. you're you're just like you're scared of his character. But you're also like, okay, kids, like you can do it. Like you've survived this long. Just yeah, keep going, just you keep know, going. and, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it was just so, so good. And, um, there's this one shot that I just love and I just want it on a poster somewhere. <laughs> um, they're in the bedroom together and it's kind of like an A line house. And yeah. So like the an A-frame kind of. Yeah. The A-frame. And so it's very like angular roofing, but they managed to get like the whole room, like top. There's like a skylight. Um, to bottom and then he's standing there and then his wife his then wife now wife is laying in the bed and he's doing this like creepy like oh yeah stretchy pose thing yeah it was yeah it was (laughs) interesting um that i remember specifically that that shot and And i was like wow when was this film like yesterday right yeah because the 
the decision for yeah. that shot. So good. So good. <laughs> and, you know, he like Robert Mitchum. Usually it was interesting that he played such a um, like a, a bad guy mm-hmm. because he's, he's usually sort of like the hero of the movies that he's in or, or at the very least like a kind of like vigilante sort of guy mm-hmm. where it's like he's kind of like on the outside of the law a little bit but also he's like fighting for the good guy kind yeah. of thing mm-hmm. and so for him to just play like a straight up like just nefarious mm-hmm. <laughs> bad guy it's kind of like oh that's interesting and he like he nailed that character it was just so good mm-hmm. and um but yeah so when whenever um i saw that there was one copy of this left uh when i went to barnes and noble earlier today to to get my last criterion <laughs> sale items and I saw it still sitting on the shelf and I was like okay I gotta get it so I'm, I'm excited to revisit this one in the future and check it out again and see what we missed the first time around mm-hmm. but well so that was a lot of movies that we watched um, mm-hmm. so we'll talk about lots more in the next episode um, but I think it's gonna be about it for this one unless you have anything else to add no Nothing else. We covered a lot. We did. All right, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us and being patient and for listening. And um, yeah, stay safe and hope you guys have a great weekend. Talk to you in the next one. Bye.